Hello everybody, I'm Derek Arden and welcome to Monday Night Live, live and uncut podcast where I uh, interview some amazing speakers, leaders, thought leaders on the show. Uh, today I've got Leon Banford on from, uh, from Leeds. Leon is a business consultant, uh, does a lot of work in the NHS and talks about hybrid and remote teams working together, which is a fascinating area because uh, with Zoom, with working from home, this is going to happen for a long time. Leon, just tell us a little bit about you, just a snapshot about your story. Yes, yeah, so um, I'm one of uh, five children. Um, I have three older brothers and then 10 years. Um, hello, everyone, by the way. T 10 years younger than me is uh, my little sister. And I remember going to my... Um, Going to my dad, I went to my mum and said, Mum was, um, I probably shouldn't tell this story live on the internet, but Mum was Hannah an accident? She said, No, absolutely not, absolutely not. And I went to my dad and said, Dad, was Hannah an accident? He said, Yes, son, yes, son. <laughs> my dad was, um, he, he owned a building company, he was a, a, a builder his whole life. And, um, and I, I dabbled in that as a, as a child, you know, along the family business, but it was back bracing work. So I thought when I was choosing a career, I thought I'd choose something in, um, in more computing a bit a bit easier and and i just love the idea of of technology and how can you use technology and, and so my uh my first degree was in robotics um kind of or cybernetics you know the, the interface between man and machine um I, but i've never really forgot my 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 dad's building in terms of how he used tools and and the simplicity of them and i think we lose that a lot of the times in our in our modern world so that's a lot of what i um i talk to businesses about is just getting back to basics how do you use things effectively efficiently and actually how do you get the most out of you know how, how do you create an engaging atmosphere that that people love being in and you called yourself a recovering techie on your website which i like uh, i like people calling themselves things like that we had jenny on before who called herself a, a recovering perfectionist so tell us about this remote and hybrid working which fits into a lot of things you do and seems to me to be very difficult for some of the leaders to manage people properly how do you work with people? Well, I think that that kind of comes to the the recovering techie idea. To be honest, so as a as a techie, you kind of get um, get into the habit of being becoming a know it all. You know, I know everything. I know exactly how to deal with this. I know how to solve this. Before I've even looked at your problem, I already know how to solve it. The answer is more IT. You know, you go to any IT department and treat I've got this problem, and they say, "Fantastic, we've got an IT solution for you." And um, you know, in reality, that that a lot of the problems come down to um, actually people and talking to each other. And technology is incredibly useful. Yeah, you know, it's fantastic that when my sister lived in Spain for ten years, I could just call, I could video call, or I could see her. Yeah, you know, every week we'd be in contact. Technology is absolutely phenomenal, but it's also horrendous because it it just stops us um, connecting with people. It stops us doing the, the basic thing that has made humanity helped humanity get to to this point um you know out, out of the uh out of the the caves and the plains of africa all the way and, and we've developed all the way and then we've we've got to this point and, and achieved phenomenal things in technology and, and working together but often it's the working together bit that for whatever reason we struggle to maintain we've got the tech but but we just struggle with that working together bit and that's got a lot worse since uh, clearly since COVID and people working from home. Lots of debates about whether people should work from home or not. Um, 
how do you put those teams together when some people are on Zoom, some people are on Teams, some people are in the office, and clearly there's friction? Well, exactly. But it, it comes it comes back to people. How do you create? Really, it doesn't matter what the environment is. So you can you can strip away the technology for a second and say, how do I create an environment that enables my, enable my teams to thrive? Now, if you happen to be in the middle of a pandemic, and so you're in this new environment where actually and you're able to use Zoom or, or Teams or whatever, then you have an opportunity to still continue working, still continue moving forward. But I think um, the things that worked before didn't don't necessarily work in, in that environment. So I remember being on one call during, during the pandemic where um, a, a leader, a manager was trying to do the right thing. You know, one of his employees, evidently he knew she was struggling a little bit. And, and so on, on a call of, I don't know, maybe 20 people uh, on the call. Um, he starts asking her that that really um, personal chat about how are you doing really? You know, how how are you really? She, she bats it off and says, no, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm doing well. Yeah, but yeah, I'm well aware that you've got struggles at home, your mum's sick, your, your dog's ill. Yeah, how how are you? And yeah, she's in front of 20 people that oh. she's, she's no idea about. You know, this this idea that he's, his impulse was absolutely right. You know, he needs to be caring and, and empathetic and, and aware of what's going on. But the the way he did it, he could have got away with, you know, in, in a couple of minutes before a meeting starts, usually you could have got away with that. But now you need to book a one-to-one -one and just have a chat and just allow things to organically happen. Um, so it, it's just about consciously using the technology. I don't think there's anything, I know there's a lot, there's a lot of talk in the, in the press at the moment, isn't it, about... You know, we for, should we force people back into work? And I know loads of businesses I talk to are talking about, should we force people back into the office? Um, I think the, the question comes down to what are you trying to achieve? Because if you're trying to achieve engagement, productivity, enabling people, enabling people to come together, what you want to do is, is bring the whole team together. If you're starting to have that dictatorial approach again of you must do this, you must spend two hours of your, your day commuting, you must do, you know, like the world's moved on. So if you do that, you're going to lose the best people. You're going to create resentment and bitterness, and you're going to actually create the opposite of the effect you're trying to bring about. So it's just about consciously thinking about what am I actually trying to achieve? Where do I actually want a business to go? And then I've got the tools available. How do I use them? So, so building a team in a hybrid world or in a remote world is similar to building a team because we're still human in, a, in an office world. But you just need to be much more aware of, well, how do I make sure people aren't feeling isolated alone? How do I make sure people um, are not taking the mick and, and going to the, the beach all day? Or how do, you've got to be, you just got to be more aware of as a leader. And it, it's hard work. It, you know, no one's going to tell you um, this isn't hard work, but the, the results are, you know, it's, it can be incredibly rewarding. So the leaders need to do more managing. Is that what you're saying? Because checking up on, you know, the, the, the fact that some people are always going to skive, aren't they? Some people are always going to go to the beach sometimes and check their emails on the beach and things like that. Does that mean more, does that mean more control or not? Um, no, I think ultimately it's about more trust. You manage what you can't trust, right? So if you can't trust that your employees are going to turn up, they're going to deliver, they're going to do what you need to do then then yeah you need to uh you need to manage that much more closely but as you start to get used to things and you you start to allow them to uh work in the way that works for them then you're going to get the best out of them you, you what you ideally what you want is self-motivated employees don't you, you want people that well, just turn up do the job 
love what they're doing and do the right things for, the, for doing the right things. The minute you start down the process of micromanaging, then you, you're going to lose. So it needs to be a balance of do we trust people and inspire them to do the right thing? But actually, and you know, I've been in a situation, I'm, I'm leading teams, as you mentioned. Um, uh, so I'm leading teams in the NHS at the moment, the, the National Vaccination Programme. And, you know, there are times when people are taking the mic. And so you've got to have difficult conversations and you can't hide from that. You've got to um, to make sure you've got the right team to bring together. But the so that it's not about micromanaging them all the time. It's about keeping an eye on it and being aware of things so that you have the right conversations at the right time and put the right things in place at the right time to enable people to to be the best they can be and to make sure you've got the best team that you have that you, to to um, get the results you need. Absolutely. That is quite tricky for all of us that have uh, managed people and led people. You uh, don't always get the right people, do you? But that's a that's a subject for another day. The National Vaccination Programme, that sounds really interesting. Uh, tell us about that and what you're doing there. Yeah, so I um, I joined uh, a couple of years ago, uh, like I said, leading a couple of teams, not delivering um, the the national uh, booking service, which is the you know, if you go to Google and type in, um, I'd like my vaccination, pretty please, then then the service that that um, I'm leading teams on is is what comes up. And yeah, it's been it, it, it's been an amazing project to work on. The the pressure you can imagine, you know, when the when the pandemic first happened, the pressure that the people were under in order to deliver the services to enable the country to get back to work. Essentially, that's that's the focus. And so. You know, going back to how do you set up um, teams and, and how do you set up remote teams and, and are they going to work hard? Are they going to be at the beach? Well, this team had absolutely no choice. You know, it had to deliver for the country. The whole country was there um, to needed what they were they were delivering. And, and so the fact is, when you have that sort of um, really clear focus, then you get the right people and the, the people that can't cope with that quickly disappear. You know, there was... Um, as as the original team were kind of moving on, we, we were having really some some really nice discussions with them. They're absolutely lovely people to work with, and um, and they would say things like, "You know, this has been the most rewarding thing I've ever worked on in my entire career. I don't imagine I'll I'll work on anything so rewarding again." Uh, I actually disagree. I think I think all of us can find that vision and passion to enable us to to deliver fantastic things wherever we are. But but it was certainly a unique. A unique place of of pressure, but excitement and and real um, a real sense of achievement. You know, sometimes you we we get the thing of oh, you're just going to work through the nine to five or the daily grind. Well, this absolutely wasn't that. These were people coming together to deliver amazing things, and for the reason of of getting the country back um, back out working. So it was just amazing to work on. Now you told me a story when we were rehearsing this about an IT man or woman who was totally um totally exhausted and uh, you talked to them i think didn't you about eight o'clock at night tell the story yeah i mean this is just one of lords of examples of, of this you know the again the passion but also the the dedication of of this team um so this particular programmer was was working late at night and, and you know they were working nights weekends just every hour under the sun pretty much to, to enable the countries to get to get back working again. And so he um, is working till eight o'clock at night and he, he suddenly says, you know what? 
now's the time. Now's the time to uh, to have a break. And I, I can't do this anymore. And he goes downstairs, um, turns on the TV and sees his uh, his ultimate boss, then Prime Minister Boris Johnson, announcing that the uh, the whole country is going to get vaccinated in, in the next two weeks uh, for the next booster. So a, a year last December. Um, and... And so you know you can you can imagine having having uh, the the prime minister announcing that, and knowing that that the tech that you're working on is going to be needed to enable that to happen. You know everyone's going to flood to your service to enable, to get those vaccinations, and the uh, yeah, he realised that it wasn't there yet. You know it wasn't going to uh, cope with the the work, so he had to turn the TV off. He goes back upstairs and carries on coding again all weekend until uh, the Monday morning, and then. The software was magically uh, magically ready for the Monday. So yeah, oh, that... he actually got, he actually got it ready, Leon. Did he? He actually like... <laughs> he got it ready. Yeah, yeah. No, he. Uh, they, oh they, wow! Fantastic. They yeah. they they such a phenomenal group of people. They absolutely delivered. And there's, wow. there's so many stories like that in the NHS where of of dedicated people who pulled up all the stops to enable us to to get um, to get back out and, and get back working. And I know there's there's some questions about you know, uh, the approach the government take, take or the approach that, you know, Partygate and all, all these sort of negative aspects of it. But there's also, you know, some really beautiful stories of of, of humanity coming together to, to do what humanity does best. They've got a problem, it's focused, and they've, they came together and worked together to resolve it. And ultimately, that's what humans are great at. Mm. If you think of all the things we've done, over the last, you know, hundred thousand years, ultimately it comes down to humans coming together. It's not the lone genius; it's humans coming together, massive problem, solve it together with new technology, new ways of working, but ultimately, at, as a team, to achieve stuff. And that's that's humanity's superpower. Clear goals. And um, we had Damien Lewis on last week. He was talking about the goals of the SAS when they were uh, fighting against the Nazis uh, for all our interests. And this that's a perfect example of people fighting for all of humanity in the UK. Now, you're a mediator. You studied under the Civil Mediation Council and got your qualifications there. Do you have to use that very often in your work? All the time. At the end of the day, the the NHS is um, is a fascinating place to work. It's it's both a wonderful and a frustrating place to work. You can imagine it's a very federated uh, organisation where you've got loads and loads of organisations all over the place, and and so when you're coming together for a project, and this, you know this similar in any corporation that I've worked with as well and, and businesses where you've got a transformation project you need to achieve, something really difficult. And you need to bring people together from loads and loads of different teams. Well, how do you do that? And the the, the reason I went and did the mediation qualification is because it seemed to align with a lot of what I was doing already in terms of you have to negotiate with all these people and, and bring the best out of them, help them realize where they're valuable, what they're, uh, what they're good at, and help them work with these other people that they think are maybe the enemy, but actually working together, you can find a way to to bring this transformational approach across it, it uh, i absolutely love doing that it brings me such it's such a buzz where you kind of see everything you're the death by uh, committee kind of everything's kind of falling apart and you manage to weave together that that vision and that nightmare so i know we can we've got a shared nightmare we want to avoid shared vision we want to go towards and you can 
get everyone together to kind of focus on, okay, your view is this, your view is that, your view is that, your view is that. We can build this view together to create a, a shared approach. And it's just so rewarding to do. But yeah, that's the mediation side of things. I use those skills every single day. Um, it, it's incredibly useful. Now, we've had Jane Gunn on here, who you know, of course, from the yeah. Speaking Association, several times. And she always talks about putting people in a room and then splitting them up into different rooms. Did you get uh, all these leaders into a room? And what was the ultimate number before it got out of hand? And how did you facilitate that? It sounds uh, it sounds mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, so that was the interesting thing about the mediation is that mediation is usually over maybe a half a day or a day and you you get people together that that have essentially stopped speaking to each other now usually when you get to the point of mediation um in a a civil sense or commercial usually you're trying to negotiate a divorce you know because they hate each other and don't want to work together um what's sad is well there was an opportunity usually there was an opportunity six months a year two years previous where if you'd have got them together then and got them in a room, actually you could have found a way to really enable something amazing to happen. You know, a, a make the world a little bit of a better place. They come together, they work together better, and you find this just this better route through. Um, and so that's what I try and do with leaders is we're trying to do it. You know, before it's got to the really toxic stage, you want to work in right at the start of that and say, well, can we bring you together now? Can we? Can we nudge you back to um to health now there's there's a, a guy called um dr gottman that that worked a lot with uh with relationships and how relationships fall apart and, and his big thing was what we don't focus enough is repairing relationships doing the small little repairs um and so that's a lot what i work with leaders and and, and the different teams that i work with is doing these small little repairs to say oh you think you're not important or you think you're not valuable let's Make sure you feel respected, valued. Make sure we know, you know, where you're coming from, what your value is to us, and then we can all work together to achieve um, greater goals. I've been very interested in toxic people, as some of you know. And I was in the states, and I bought this book back uh, called Toxic People. I've got to tell you, it's not a very good book, but <laughs> it was a good cover. And I judge the book on its cover, as I usually usually do, pay $25 for it. But you've got an exercise you do when you're speaking on stage about toxic people. Can you share that with us now? Yeah, well, why don't we do it live? Why don't we do it yeah. live? Anyone that's got, that got their, uh, their camera on, um, I just want you to put your hand up if, um, if you ever met a toxic person. Paul's had a lucky life. Never met a toxic person. Yeah, it looks like Nancy has as well, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the sound's gone. All of us, the hands hands go up pretty quick. And when you do this in a sea of people, yeah, I do this at the start of a keynote often. You do this in a sea of people. Everyone's met that toxic person. Okay, so now I want you to put your hands up if you're a toxic person. Cool. Oh. Cool. <laughs> well, I, I must have been sometime, I suppose. So being honest, no one else is uh, no one else is being honest here. But uh, this is the point. So, so we've got John is like, well, sometimes, sometimes, maybe I've let myself down a little bit. Jill, you kind of, again, being a bit honest. Yeah, sometimes. And and this is what you see. So what you see when you have a room full of people, um, it, it, this one works a bit better in person or, or when everyone's um, when everyone's microphones are on because what you'll hear is immediately people say, yeah, I've met a toxic person. 
And then when you ask the second question, are you a toxic person? Uh, sometimes, occasionally. And I've I've yet to find the room where all the toxic people are hiding. I've not found them yet. And so the, the truth is, we're very quick to label other people as toxic or they're a toxic person. But we have all the uh, the reasons why, well, we let ourselves down sometimes, but, you know, overall, we're a good person. And that's the point, isn't it? We, we're so quick to treat each other like objects. Mm. Like we understand everything that's going on. But if we can be curious about what we don't know and curious about actually how can we understand what's driving people's behavior, why are they acting like that? Often it's fear. Often it's you know, they don't quite understand the situation or maybe you don't understand the situation. Um Actually, that's when magic happens. I came across a phenomenal quote in a book that I read called the, the Tavistock Lectures. And he said, never trust someone that says they have the truth. If someone owns the truth, then they're not a fun person to talk to. Actually, what's fun is getting people together to find the truth together. And, and his argument is that truth is, is glimpsed between people as we, as we kind of work towards a better place. And I've found that absolutely to be true. Uh, and I think it helps us. It helps us stop being a toxic person when we we're always curious about. Well, what don't I know? What 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 information am I missing that might totally change my view of this situation? Totally change how I uh, how I approach it. I think curious is one of the most fantastic words that we can use and ask ourselves. Just being curious about people, curious about what we can learn. And of course, there are some politicians both sides of the pond here who think they know the truth but certainly sell it as the truth and uh, people buy it don't they which is the uh, scariest thing of the whole lot uh absolutely. yeah well there's no i've found there's no correlation between confidence and competence hmm. so yeah be wary of the uh totally comp confident salesman that's um yeah I could, yeah no absolutely yeah, right um yeah. now uh you have a book out leon which is has a very unusual title so it's called find your rat to double your income now i'm not very keen on rats and i'm told that london's full of rats and uh in fact in fact the rats are everywhere why did you call your book that title and what's the point you're making the um uh, this is a fun book to write i i really enjoyed it it was pretty um autobiographical so it's kind of mapping how i've uh got to where i i've got to and there was one experience that that made all the difference to me there was one particular um friend that i know i know him very well and he uh he was really excited that he found this opportunity it it um he decided that he wanted to have earn more money and, and he decided how can i do that so he looked at job boards and he went through and found all the uh the jobs he'd be interested in doing and find out what, what the qualifications that they, um, that they'd want. Uh, and he found one that he thought, well, with, with a little bit of investment in, in uh, training, I could, I could get this job and it, it doubled his income. So he was, he was just raving about it, just telling everyone. And, and when he told me this, I, I was amazed, you know, I, I would like to double my income pretty, pretty please. And so I, I listened to him and, and that's a point to practice what he said and actually did double my income. My, um, my brother has, has since said a few times, oh, I just wish I'd listened to you. It just seems so, so unlikely, but absolutely it was, it was easy to do. But I asked him a couple, a few years after that, I said to him, Robin, how many people 
did what you told them to do. And he said, just you, just you. I thought, huh, that's interesting. Because a lot of the other people I was talking to, I talked to someone and said, oh, Robin, Robin only just talks about money. That's all he talks about. But actually, it's not like he was bragging. He was telling you how to do something. He was just excited about knowledge you learned. And it, it just reminded me so much of the the phrase of, of you know, it was it said that if you walk through London, you're never within, um, you're never further than six feet from a rat. But we never see them, do we? Because we always stick to the clean, the, the, the well-trodden paths that everyone else goes down and uh and it turns out there's so much opportunity around us that if we go down the the less trodden paths and we have a look at things that may be a bit scary or a bit a bit dark and and you know we're unsure of there's loads of opportunities that are there that we're just completely oblivious to but we just don't look so we stick to the well-lit path we stick to the 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 well-trodden path rather than actually sometimes you need to go to the place that's a bit scary and, and you're a bit unsure of and you can find amazing things. And that is genuinely how I double my income um, uh, five years back. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, we, um, I talked about the, this telephone etiquette that came out, in, uh, came out on uh, Friday from Debrett's, the uh, people who tell us about equity for the, uh, et etiquette for the last 250 years, allegedly. But um, some of those things surprised me a little bit. You're now supposed to uh, text people before you phone them. You're not supposed to leave voicemails, but we were talking about emails earlier, weren't we, uh, Leon, before you before we press the recording? And I get pretty cross with some emails, but uh, you were coaching someone that uh, sent two emails and then um, raised it to their boss. What was that all about? I mean, this comes back to the the, the future of work, you know, the, the remote teams and the, the hybrid teams. How do you how do you enable people to to productive, be productive in those sort of environments? The fact is we have tools around us to enable us to do a job. And when my dad, you know, watching my dad as a builder, he needs to put a, a, a nail into a piece of wood. He chose the right hammer to do it. You don't get a sledgehammer to do it. You get a nail. But the problem is we have tools now in, in our uh, information world that are really, really powerful. It enables us rather than to do things, enables us to hide from things that are scary from us. So what do we use email for? Often we use email to hide from difficult conversations rather to enable us to have better conversations. So I uh, went to one particular um, client and I said, what's the biggest conflict you've got? What's the biggest conflict you've got that's stopping you delivering what you need to do on this, uh, on this program? And she thought for a second and said, I've got one particular supplier that just not responding to us. You know, we really, really need what, um, what they're delivering. They just, won't won't speak to us. I said, okay, that that's that's fine. What have you done to to get him on board? Well, I sent him an email. Okay. Well, what did you do next? Well, I sent him another email. But don't worry, I escalated it to his manager. Oh, brilliant. How how did you do that? Well, I sent him an email and copied in the first guy. And you know, that's how she thought you should deal with conflict. So instead. I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll resolve this. I'll sort this out. So instead I um, gave the guy a, a, a call and said, oh, can I come chat to you? And we arranged a time, a couple of days time. I went and sat on his desk and it turns out he had far more work than he could ever possibly do. And I was on the bottom of the pile. He didn't really understand what he needed. So we just had a chat. 
we had a we had a talk and you know we just connected generally and then we talked about oh these are the things we need for the project this is what this is what's needed to get this um get this unblocked and lo and behold you know by the end of the week we'd we'd got exactly what we needed and he delivered what we needed for him and and, and the this huge conflict that was holding up the entire um program of work was was unblocked and it it just amazes me how something as simple as email which you know amazing technology that enables us to contact people across the globe and enables us to do you know fantastic work but can be used to get in the way of connecting to people any technology that's used to get in the way of connecting is is not being used well you know this technology where we've got people on from hawaii or, or all across we can use zoom we can use technology to bring humanity together or we can use technology to split humanity apart mm. and what i'm interested in bringing humanity together Absolutely, Leon. And uh, we, we're uh, we're out of time, actually. But I just want um, to show everybody on this call this little magic trick that you and I have developed. Where it's a secret trick. Are you ready? How about that trick? Um, that's uh, absolutely uh, magic. And of course, if you put your thumb up. Um, it also we also get a uh, thumbs up so there you go that's uh, that's um technology is available from Liam and Liam and I for uh, five thousand pounds just send us an email and your check and uh, it'll be in the post as usual Liam Bamford thanks for joining us on Monday Night Live that's been absolutely fascinating lots of us lots of things to think about and can I ask members of Monday Night Live to give Leon uh, the usual vote of thanks thanks very much will you stay on and uh, join us for our informal discussions that'd be great so if anyone wants to get hold of you for uh, uh for speaking or sorting out some of these very complicated uh, issues that need collaboration how do they find you well i've got my website uh some all my contact details are on there if you want to get in touch just you know just put leon bamford to google and and uh yeah, just pick up the phone. Uh, he's, ideally, you can send an email if you want. I'll I'll definitely um, call you back if you send an email. Uh, but yeah, just I'm, I'm easily available on the internet. Well, I said that people have, uh, I learned this morning, you've got to text someone before you call them now under the uh, new rules. But uh, there we are. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. If you've uh, enjoyed this, please uh, like it on YouTube or on Spotify or any of the channels. And thanks for joining us and join us live any Monday night on uh, Monday Night Live at five o'clock.